Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. dedicated his life to fighting for justice and fighting against racism and injustice wherever it existed. For me, the memory of this great man conjures up a famous photograph, which was taken in 1967 during a civil rights protest in Montgomery, Alabama, where Dr. King is flanked by a rabbi embracing a Torah scroll on one side and Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, a key partner in the civil rights movement on the other. There's no better image, which underscores the bond between all Bible believers, and the necessity to stand together for our common beliefs. And so with this in mind, I am greatly honored and privileged to welcome to the podcast the niece of this great man and a champion and hero in her own right of her uncle's legacy, Dr. Alveda King. Dr. King, welcome to our podcast. Well, hello, Yale. And it's good to speak with you uh, this time of year and then always. And God bless you. How go things with you? Amen. Thank you so much. Yes, this holiday season is definitely different than others. But I think even within the darkness for people of faith, we can see the light and bring the light within it. I did a blog uh, for Christmas or for the holiday season. Of course, we have Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Christmas. And I tell people, when you love the Lord, when you love God, then we should be able to commune and communicate. Yes. And so it's very, very important. But I actually did a message recently, and I started out this way. I said, hello, everyone. Is it my imagination or are people more generous this mm. year? In spite of dismal reports, there is definitely a God awareness in the atmosphere. Yes. And I'm finding people are a little more cordial, a little more sensitive. There's a lot going on, but we overcome evil with good. Amen. Amen. I connect to that so much. And for a woman who speaks so connected to the average person, Dr. King, you have a very impressive resume. I'm going to go you. through it just for a second. You're a former college professor. You served in the Georgia State House of Representatives. You're a former presidential appointee and a 2021 recipient of the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. In addition, you've been named chair of the Center for the American Dream at the American First Policy Institute. And if that wasn't enough, you recently launched your own ministry, Speak for Life, fighting for the sanctity and dignity of all life from the womb to the tomb. You are a powerhouse, my friend. And you are too. And I really appreciate and regard your work. And it's so very important that we all use our giftings and talents 
to make the world a better place, Amen. to reach others and to love others. So I'm 70 years old. Mm -hmm. So I've had a long time to amass these gifts and talents. And I know they are from God. And I'm yes. just very grateful to be alive to use them. Now that's just, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So I know that you have many people who have influenced you. And as I always say, in the context of the, wow, godly, amazing, historic family that you come from, you have developed your own voice, you have established yourself and your leadership in your own right. But let's start a little bit in the beginning. I would love to know, Dr. King, how your path in life was influenced by your father, the Reverend A.D. King, and your uncle, both of whom you were deeply involved in the civil rights movement. Well, I will talk about my father, Reverend A.D. King, Alfred Daniel Williams King, mm. Uncle M.L. Martin Luther King Jr., and my grandfather, Reverend Martin Luther King Sr. I was born in 1951 on January 22nd. And my parents were college students and they weren't ready to be parents. My mother wasn't. My daddy was okay with it. A.D. King was fine with it. However, my uh, grandfather said to both of them, that's a little girl. I saw her in a dream three years ago. You're going to have this baby. And so I was rescued in 1950 and born on January 22nd. And all of these years later, after going through the civil rights movement and when my uncle ML, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. I wanted to hate white people. Mm. And I said that to my daddy. My dad was grieving and he was about to take uh, Uncle ML's wife, Coretta, to get the body and all that. But he put his arms around me and he wrapped me in his arms and he said, Alvita, you can't hate white people. White people pray with us. White people go to jail with us. White people march with us, cry with us, live with us and die with us. Skin color cannot determine what we are as humans. And so Martin Luther King Jr., of course, we said, I learned to live together as brothers. I added sisters or perish together as fools. He wanted his children to be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. A beautiful woman, uh, an entertainer during her time and all of that. And a lot of people knew her. Josephine Baker was interviewed. Uh -huh. said there is no race, separate race, only the human race. And Amen. so I was brought up by daddy, granddaddy, uncle ML. All the people in my family know that regardless of skin color, we are one race and we must work together for human dignity. And that's whether we're in Israel, the United States, anywhere on this planet, the human race must Amen. learn to come together as brothers and sisters and not perish together as fools. My whole body is chills right now. And, and that's kind of what happens when I hear like a truth for the first time said in a way that I've never heard it before. Because what you're speaking sounds like the word of God, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's why we are here. We're here to stand together. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together. That's it. It's, it's you and your family bringing this to life within all the injustice, with all of the with all, within all the hatred that man has created, not God, you're bringing it back to this place of love, of purity, of unity, of having this life in order to bring us together. But in the rest of the scripture, and it says it's like the oil flowing down Aaron's beard, mm -hmm. and people will read that and will 
quote that. Now, I've been to Israel and uh, I've seen the vats and how the olive oil was made and all of that, recognizing how precious oil was, especially olive oil. And so making that point of this unity, this coming together, uh, being more precious or as precious or more precious than that oil that they use to care for their bodies and their well-being. And so I, I just, I began to think about human dignity, human love, seeing each other as, as humans. And some things we value as precious, certainly diamonds and gold and silver and oils and export, you know, things that are imported. But the most precious thing we have is to begin to learn to love each other as human beings. Amen. Amen. I, it's so powerful. And that example of olive oil and in Israel and the olive press, and it was most precious. It was one of the most precious items in, it was needed in the temple service because you needed the yes. menorah to yes. always be lit. You needed that pure olive yes. oil. And so it's very, um, you know, one of my favorite teachings on Hanukkah is that we celebrate mm-hmm. it for eight days. But because it took eight days from the time the temple was defiled and and the Maccabees found the little jar of oil, it took eight days until new olive oil was produced and brought to the temple for the service. But the question was very important. Yeah. And the question is, though, why do we celebrate eight days? Because there was enough oil for one day. The first day wasn't a miracle. We Mm -hmm. should celebrate seven days. And the answer Mm -hmm. is that the people had enough faith to light it for that one day, even if they knew it was going to go out, that God did a miracle. So I look at what you're continuing, Mm -hmm. the legacy, and I think, did your father, did your uncle, did your family know that today this vision of unity, this voice of faith that's encouraging the world in the darkness did they think that this would still be on fox news on every network you could imagine going out to the people probably not but it's the bravery of your ancestors that they said even if this doesn't continue i'm going to raise my voice and you dr king are continuing that so for me that that analogy of the olive oil also because it's the holiday season of course and also yeah, because yeah. of israel but but it's but it's you my friend it's you taking something that should have only lasted one generation or not even maybe only during the civil rights march and you and your family have continued to bring that message which is um there's hope for the future said the lord right that's that's each and every one of us well, as you speak along those lines, I'm thinking about Abraham, mm. the saints of old, and they believed. Yes. They actually believed. Now, they couldn't see all these hundreds of thousands of years later what it would be, but but believed. And I like to believe that my father, my grandfather, my uncle, grandmama, all of them who have already passed over and crossed over, they may not have seen what we're seeing today. They may certainly not our troubles either but not our joys either, but they believed. Therefore we can believe. And I tell people all the time, it used to be in every generation that the Bible says, teach this to your children, your children's children, and teach it in every generation. I even wrote a poem for generations to come and have drawn pictures about it, had pictures drawn. However, I have discovered now it's, it's like we're in a time of acceleration. So rather than, along with teaching it in every generation, and I'm still doing that with grandchildren now, 
but every decade we have to reteach truths. And if you wait three decades, that's 30 years, and you go back and you try to ask people, do you remember when? They don't remember when. So these truths now must be taught and demonstrated in every decade. Amen. Amen. Write it on your doorpost. Take it with you wherever you go, that it's, uh, it's, it's the way to keep it alive. And people always ask me, how did the Jewish people survive for 2,000 years of exile, passing on this faith from one generation to the next? And especially as they're being chased and persecuted and kicked out of the country and burdened in gas chambers. My grandfather is a Holocaust survivor from Germany. His whole family was killed. How, how do you continue passing on that faith? And it's exactly what you said. It's because when you live it and you are an example, then it naturally continues. May I share with you, it's a parable, something I read. When I was in Israel, I went to a Holocaust museum and there was a testimony of a man there and all of the atrocities and all of the horrible, horrible things that happened to them. And so the man's shirt was threadbare. His shoes were disintegrating. His uh, shoestrings were just crumbling. But every day he'd take a little of his drinking water, and there was very little and sometimes none. And he would take that and freshen his face and his, his clothing. And the guard says, you called him a name or whatever. And uh, what use is that? And the man said, you could actually do anything you can to my body and these outer things that you see, but you cannot take my spirit. And I read that. And many times I think about that when I'm going through hard times, that particular testimony comes to mind to me. And I think about him. I think about the Holocaust, of course, and not to give any disservice to that period of Holocaust, but at the time when Moses was born, Many, many baby boys were killed. At the time, uh, Christ historically was born, the same kind of thing. So there are times in history, and now we live in a time period today where uh, since 73, with Roe v. Wade, millions of babies have been aborted. So with all of that, we do know that there are time periods of man's inhumanity to man, not recognizing human dignity. And the Jews have been persecuted so much because God, it, 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 they carry the promise, you know? So me understanding that, especially during this season, and, I, and I'm very mindful of the faith of Abraham, for example, uh, the strength of Queen Esther, for example. Uh, there's so many examples that we have. So it's very important when we love each other, we know each other, we may have cultural differences, we may have spiritual, uh, our spiritual foundations may be different, but we are human beings living together in the 21st century on yes. planet Earth yes. as one human race. Yes. And whatever we can do to promote the goodness of God, that's what we have to do. 
Amen. Amen, Dr. King. You speak with such conviction in a way that you know you're not just saying it, but you're living it. You have this deep in your heart, what I call the spiritual DNA. But I think for so many of us people of faith, there's a specific instance sometime, one or two stories or values of our parents or grandparents that we can go back to in childhood and say, this is what made me want to keep the faith. I saw this. I heard this. I remember this. Are there any of those stories or characteristics or taking you back to a little kid living in this historic time, this historic family? Are there any stories you can share with us that put that deep faith in your heart that now still 65 years later is, is alive and kicking? I can remember my dad, Reverend A.D. King, standing on a car in Birmingham, Alabama, after our home had been bombed. Uh, I think he had a megaphone at the time. I, it's hard to remember that. But the people wanted to riot and throw rocks and turn cars over. Everything. Our home had been bombed. I remember daddy standing on the car saying, don't riot. Don't hurt anyone. If you have to hurt somebody, hit me. But I would rather you go home and pray. I and my family are safe. I remember a quote that my uncle Martin Luther King Jr. would have, and uh, out of the, out of I think it's Amos, let righteousness roll down like water and justice as a mighty stream. I remember Daddy King, my grandfather, after all the tragedies in our family, saying, "Thank God for what we have left." So those are just some of the memories that I have, and as I grew through uh, my younger years as an adult and became very strong in the Lord after between 83 and 84, a voice for life, speaking for life, my organization speakforlife.org. You can also find me at albedaking.com. And uh, I just, and and as, as we started out, we discussed, and I'm sure you could give your own testimony of all your giftings and talents and to be able to use them in your lifetime to bless others. So every gift, whether it be a song or a book or a poem or I cook on television, people, Alveda King's house. But why are you cooking? You should be out saving babies. I say, well, people have to eat it. So while you watch me stir up this meal, I'm going to tell you about why life is important at the same time. So use your gifts and talents. Everybody says you have one and everybody may have one and some have more. Use your faith. We all have a measure of faith. And so faith, hope, and love are what we need in this time, dear Yale. I love that, Dr. King, because I think that it's also something in faith and something in all the stories that you just shared, which... I mean, I'm going to write them down and keep them on my office, on my wall for when, when I think life is tough or when I think there are hardships that I'm going through to keep those words going through my head and in my heart, because wow, that's real strength in the hardships to be able to turn to God in the hardships, to be able to see the good and the blessings. And I think that as people of faith, one of the, one of the callings from God that I feel is that there's no such thing as mundane, that even when you're cooking, you're bringing hope holiness into that. You're bringing prayer in that. When you're with your children, it's no less holy than when you're out changing the world and, you know, doing good work. When you're at the barbershop or doing your nails, in every opportunity is a new way to connect to God. And so when we have that perspective, some somehow life isn't mundane. 
There is isn't this not. separation between, okay, now I'm in church and now I'm at home. Now I'm in synagogue. Now I'm at home. No, no, no. God wants to follow you wherever you go. So I think that's, uh, I think that's amazing. I know um, you are a very busy woman. I'm going to ask you two more questions that I would feel so okay. blessed for you to answer. I know that you played a key role in getting Martin Luther King Jr. Day passed as a national holiday. And I'm sure that wasn't easy. And I'm sure that it was a long road and that God was with you and on your heart that whole time. Could you share with me what that process looked like and what it feels like to have succeeded? I traveled around the country a little bit. I was a state legislator between 1978 and 83. I was a co-author, co-sponsor of the holiday bill in Georgia, Martin King holiday. So just going around talking to people and getting people, I remember being in tears in the office of the Speaker of House of Georgia, Tom Murphy. And he was not inclined to let the bill come to the floor. And I was crying. I remember him saying, Miss Alveda, if you stop crying, we'll, we'll let the bill come out. Ah. <laughs> I was very young, of course, at the time, and very frustrated. So God was very good during those times. So the Martin Luther King bill had to be ratified or passed in the states before it became United States the law of the United States. So that was uh, an incredible experience for me. Uh, very, I just remember it. And I say that with God, all things are possible. Amen. Everything is possible with God. And what brings you hope today, my friend? Uh, hope today. I think about my grandfather, Daddy King. He was a great influence in my life. And I had him even longer than I had my dad in my report. My mother's 90. She's still here. And mother says we have to heal on our feet and not to be bitter and to forgive. So that's the King family legacy. That doesn't just belong to Martin Luther King Jr. But yes. my granddaddy was a preacher, wonderful preacher. And I, I'm going to take time to give you two of his quick sermons. Thank you. Very shortly. And so there was a doctor who served the community and everybody loved him. He had a little shingle over his side door. And one day they came and the shingle was turned over or taken down or whatever. And it, well, it was turned over and it said still in business, just moved upstairs. So I like to feel that, that my ancestors and those who have gone before me are still in business praying for yes, me. They've just moved you. upstairs. Amen. And then there's another, my daddy would say, A.D. King, people are so busy making a living that they forget to have a life. Mm. So daddy would say that that was important. And then this is the last one. Granddaddy would say this. He said, I used to cry because I had no shoes. Then I met a man who had no feet. Mm. <laughs> and so when I'm feeling sorry for myself or wanting something or thinking, and the children say that all the time, God is very gracious to us. And there are people who are suffering for various reasons. And uh, my ministry, alveaking.com, we just pack food for Haiti. Wow. Food wow. to Haiti, for example. And, and during various times of the year, we contribute to help others. Um, my home, and this last point, we were uh, are refreshing my home, my kitchen and things. So I need to get rid of some things. So I have to leave the room why they're packing up things to give away because I keep wanting to go back and <laughs> all the memories. <laughs> oh, no, 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 we can't let that go. So I have to let my daughters and my godchildren do it. So, I love that. I love that. We're doing this season, letting some things go letting and giving glory go. to God. 
Amen. I once heard a beautiful, a beautiful teaching that what's freedom of choice in this life? You have the choice to look at everything as negative or positive, as a blessing or a curse. Reality, mm-hmm. God is going to send. How you relate to that is your decision and your freedom. And, and that's exactly what I hear, that you and your family have chosen a legacy of seeing the blessings, of seeing the life, of seeing the godliness no matter what situation you're in. So okay. finally, as, as we close this conversation, Dr. King, which I could talk to you forever, but I know how busy you are and how much- Lisa, same here and... with you. Same with <laughs> I'd love to hear a Bible verse that has been your go-to verse in life. I, I'll have to give you two. Um, my Thank grandfather you. used this one. And when I was young, I didn't understand it. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Then the other is Psalm 127, the whole scripture, and I won't quote all of it. But unless the Lord builds the house, the builders or the workers build in vain. The scripture starts in that manner. And then it goes on to say, children are a gift from God. And blessed are the parents bringing that seed, you know. So... Psalm 127 is one of my favorite scriptures. Beautiful, Dr. King. Both of those uh, I love as well. So I know you already said a few times, but if you would say one more time how our listeners can find you directly and follow your amazing work. Speak for, that's S-P-E-A-K-F-O-R, life.org, and A-L-V-E-D-A-K-I-N-G. Thank you so much, Dr. King. I look forward to giving you a hug in person in Jerusalem soon. One of these days soon. Thank you so much. God bless. God bless you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.